Nation and the Stony Nakoda First Nation, including the Chinookie, Bearspaw, and Wesley First Nations. The city of Calgary is also home to Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. CJSW is happy to bring attention to local and Canadian artistic talent. This includes music, visual arts, spoken word, comedy, among many others. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome back, or welcome to 90.9 FM CJSW. I am your co-host, Ali Samji, Vice President of Operations and Finance of the University of Calgary Students' Union, and today I am joined by... 
Nicole Schmidt. I am the president of the University of Calgary Students Union. And this is really exciting because for the rest of our terms, um, Nicole is going to be joining as our host and it will be really exciting to have her on and see where she takes the direction of the show. So Nicole, I'm going to pass it off to you. Fantastic. And thank you so much, Ali, for joining me today. Um, so good morning, everyone, and welcome to SU Weekly, where we talk about everything going on at the University of Calgary Students Union. Um, for those of you listening in right now, in case you didn't know already, there is a provincial election coming up in Alberta in less than two months. So Albertans will head to the polls on May 29th to select a new provincial government. Earlier this week, the Students' Union kicked off our advocacy campaign and our Get Out the Vote campaign. We know that students, and uh, I know this goes for University of Calgary students, but also all post-secondary students in Alberta, can't afford to sit out this campaign, and we're going to talk to Albertans about why that is. Um, as I know some of you know already, since 2019, post-secondary education has become less and less affordable. The average student is paying 33% more than they did in 2019, or about $1,200 more per year. The problem is that despite paying more, students are getting less. Students are still facing crumbling infrastructure, fewer advisors, and fewer wellness services on campus. And I know that goes for students here at the University of Calgary, but also other universities in Alberta. We at the Students' Union see this election as important, and we can't have students sit it out. So soon you'll see more public-facing advertising from the Students' Union talking about student affordability and what provincial cuts have meant for students and done to our post-secondary institutions. In addition to that, we will be engaging with candidates, elected officials, and party leaders to talk about student issues. Um, so now I'm going to do a bit of a plug for an upcoming event that we're having, but the Students' Union is thrilled to be hosting opposition leader Rachel Notley for a student and post-secondary focused Q&A session next week on April 5th. Visit the SU's social media and website to get your free tickets. We've also reached out to Premier Smith's office to have the Premier for a similar event, and we look forward to hearing back from her. But for today, we're kicking off something else, which is going to be our advocacy radio show here on CJSW. Too often, local candidates are overshadowed by party leaders, and too often voters don't really get to know the local candidates running in their constituencies. So what we wanted to do is do what we could here on CJSW to change that and to give uh, local candidates a platform to talk about why they're running and what platforms they're actually running on. You may recall that during the 2021 municipal election, this SU Weekly show invited several city council and mayoral candidates on the show. So that's exactly what we're going to be doing here over the next two months. So we've reached out to candidates running in several Calgary ridings, primarily those with large student and youth populations, to have them talk about their background and their takes on post-secondary issues. So for anyone listening, if you're a provincial election candidate and want to come on CJSW and SU Weekly to chat, we would love to have you on. So please reach out to the Students' Union and uh, we can get you a spot on the show. In the meantime, though, that's a little bit of an intro about uh, our show and what we're hoping to achieve over the next two months. So make sure that you tune in on Thursdays at 11 a.m. to hear from some of our upcoming candidates. Um, that is our update, though, so I will throw it over to uh, Ali to add on. Thanks so much, Nicole. No, this is very exciting <clears throat> because I think one of the most versatile things about this show is that 
there are so many different things that we've been able to cover this year. And I know Adrian did a great job bringing in a lot of clubs earlier and we got a lot of student engagement. Um, from there, we were able to bring in a lot of the elected officials from the Students' Union and some student staff. We were able to do um, some great programming for Black History Month, which was very successful. Uh, and now we get to touch on this important topic. So I'm very glad that um, we've had the opportunity to continue the work that we have this year. I guess we have a guest coming on later in our episode. So maybe in the meantime, did we want to talk a little bit about what's going on at the SU right now and maybe some stuff that we have going on? Absolutely. So Fantastic. in regards to advocacy, um, we've got a number of things going on, but I know we've been talking um, about the provincial election a lot, both mm-hmm. within the SU and on campus. And obviously we're kicking off our CJSW show. Um, but the Students Union, we really want to be engaged in this election. I think that's been a change in approach from past years. We want to make sure that post-secondary students, not only at the U of C, but in Alberta also have a voice and are you know brought into these discussions and these important um, decisions that are being made provincially. And we want to make sure that candidates who are running are conscious of the issues that post-secondary students have faced. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're doing and what m- most post-secondary institutions do ahead of any provincial election is run a get-out-the-vote campaign. Yeah. Um, so we're getting students to sign up to not only volunteer, but also pledge to vote. Yeah. We've had a number of draws and prizes and giveaways that are going to be coming up. But we really want to make sure that students are, you know, engaged and not only pledging to vote, but also Mm -hmm. aware of the candidates in their writings and what platforms they're running on. So we've recently started uh, some of our Get Out the Vote outreach, but we'll be gearing up more in April. As I mentioned earlier, the provincial election is on May 29th, which is challenging timing for post-secondary students because obviously a lot of them are out of classes and done final exams already. But uh, we are expecting to have polling stations on campus this year, which is great for any students who will be in residence over the summer months. It's nice and accessible for them. Mm -hmm. So we've done advocacy on that just to make sure that that's something that we will have in place. Uh, But in addition to that, we've been doing a lot of outreach with some of the other students unions and student organizations in Alberta just to chat with them about post-secondary priorities for students. Um, I know that we'll be doing some more forward-facing and some more public-facing advocacy and media campaigns in the next few weeks mm-hmm. just to make the public aware of some of the challenges that post-secondary students have faced. So yeah. there's a lot to look forward to, and we'll make sure to keep everyone updated on that. Of course, and I think it's just incredible that we have this opportunity to do this work and that there's so much emphasis on this because there is nothing more important than representation and representation starts at the grassroots. So the more people we can get to the polls, the more people that we can have actually have their voice heard, um, the more democratic our society becomes. And it's something that we really need to push. So I'm so happy and so proud to be a part of an organization that's putting so much emphasis on strengthening the voices of every single individual. Um, yeah. So actually I did forget to mention the song that we listened to, uh, as we played through the intro. So that was Baghdad by Rosalia. Um, we're going to go into our first mic break here. So why don't we go ahead and listen to, and I do apologize for butchering the pronunciation, um, but I believe it is Pomi Jul by Tacey and then Una Mas by Becky G. So we will catch you when we are back. Um, you're listening to 90.9 FM CJSW and we will see you soon. Thank you. 
On m'a dit pose-toi les bonnes questions On m'a dit derrière le meilleur se cache souvent le pire Moi j'ai répondu hors de questions Elle est la seule qui dans le noir sait comment me faire rire
the magic spell you guess this is love the when you kiss me heaven sighs and though I close my eyes I see love and when you press me to your heart and in a world Apart, a world where roses bloom, and when you speak, angels sing from above. Every day, void seems to turn into love song. Give your heart and soul to me, and life will always be. Hello, and welcome back to 90.9 FM CJSW. I'm your co-host, Ali Samji. And I am Nicole Schmidt, your other co-host and Students' Union president. <laughs> um, unfortunately, apparently, I am illiterate and misread the song, um, but I actually blame this more on my technological incapacity. Um, we just heard um, Promise Julie by Tacy and then La Vie en Rose by Louis Armstrong. We did not hear Una Mas by Becky G because, again... I am technologically incapable. Um, but moving on from that, um, I think we're going to direct a few questions about more the SU and our personal experiences. So I'm going to hand it off to you, Nicole. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Ali. Um, so yeah, I guess I did an intro, I know, about myself the last time that I was on CJSW. But um, for anyone who maybe doesn't know me or who isn't familiar with the Students' Union, um, the Students' Union as an organization represents, I think we're up to 28,000 this year, undergraduate students on campus, which is quite a large number. Um, we don't actually represent graduate students, which is something that I know surprises a lot of people. But the Graduate Students Association, or GSA, actually has their own representation. Uh, representative union, so they represent graduate students. Um, but every year we have our annual general election and we elect a council of faculty representatives as well as five executives. So those executive positions are president, vice president external, vice president operations and finance, vice president student life, and vice president academic. Um, so each one of our sort of five-person executive team, we each handle a different area in regards to student life, uh, whether that be, you know, events or operations or advocacy. We all sort of uh, comprise our executive team that keeps the union functioning and make sure that we're, you know, advocating for things that are important to students. 
Um, so in my position, I was elected as president actually back in 2021. So I've been in this job for almost two full years now, which is crazy. I'm entering my last month as of April. So just trying to wrap up a few of the ongoing projects that I've I've been working on. But to tell you a little bit about myself, so I'm, I'm going into my, uh, or I guess I'm in my final year of political science and international relations. So I've been at the University of Calgary for a few years now. I think it's past time that I graduate, but I've had a, a really amazing amazing, really amazing experience with both um, the Students' Union and also my programs. Um, I'm also very lucky because I was able to do uh, a few co-op terms as well. I'm in the Faculty of Arts co-op program, so I've been able to do some work experience on top of the work experience that I've had with the Students' Union. Um, But yeah, I think originally we were just chatting uh, during the mic break about sort of, you know, who we are and sort of why we were interested in running. And I know for me, it's crazy because the two years have gone so quickly, but also it feels like I just started this job. It feels kind of both ways. Um, But originally I was thinking, you know, back to sort of my my original reason why I wanted to run. And I know um, a big sort of, I guess, inspiration for me, if I can use that word, was actually uh, Frank, our former president, because I had been friends with Frank for a number of years. I'd helped out on his campaigns. Um, but I remember he was sort of one of the people who, when I spoke to originally about running, um, was very encouraging. Um, and I had a number of people who, you know, were very supportive of the idea of me running initially. But I think I just sort of needed that initial support to say, like, yes, Nicole, this is something that um, I think you should do. And I think that you would do a great job of. So I also I looked at Frank's term and it was a quite a challenging year because it was the mm-hmm. first year of the pandemic. But um, I thought that it was really fantastic to see student leaders be able to achieve so much and be able to achieve sort of tangible advocacy goals and tangible advocacy wins that had a real impact on post-secondary students and on University of Calgary students. Um, so that was really, I think, motivational to me to see like, wow, you know, these students who are elected to the SU do actually have an impact. Because I know so many students, are, and I think I was one of them actually on campus, are cynical about the impact that SU executives actually have. Because we look at the position and we say, well, how much power do they actually have to affect change? Mm-hmm. But for me, it was really great to see an executive that was so impactful. And for me, that was sort of one of the catalysts, I think, for and probably the most important one that actually got me to run. So what about you, though, Ali? Why did you want to run for the SU? I guess originally, not even for OpFi, but back in the day when you first ran. That's a great question. Um, I think it's very similar, actually. I, believe it or not, three or four years ago when I graduated high school was a very different person. I'm extremely introverted. I don't think I would have ever thought of the possibility of being in this position, let alone the idea of campaigning or classroom talks or the extreme public facing role that roles that I've held over the past couple of years. I think I was blown away by the current Haskin representatives of the 77th SLC was who I really looked up to. And I, and I just saw so much um, incredible work that was happening at the SU that I didn't even know could have happened. And I think seeing that, and one of the biggest driving factors for me actually was seeing that representation. I didn't think it was ever possible to see people um, like me in positions of leadership. And I think seeing people of color and people of other visible minorities um, uh, in positions of power and able to make change, it, it greatly influenced me into being able to do the same thing and help inspire the next generation. Um, I had an interesting journey in terms of leadership 
through the HSA, I was a VPSL for that for a year, which really uh, established my um, my wanting to move further, particularly in the SU. Um, the following year, so actually under Frank's um, leadership, I served as the Haskin representative in the 78th SLC, which was huge, right? Like, I mean, that was right through the pandemic. There was a credit granted year, the, proc- um, the preventing of uh, the university from online proctoring year. Um, the following year, I actually ended up falling sick, so I wasn't able to do much. But then this year has been incredible because... I could have not imagined ending up as VP OpFi. I was Haskane rep in term, ran in the by-election, got elected as Haskane rep, and then got appointed as VP OpFi. So it's been an interesting journey, but it has been so fulfilling. I think one of the most incredible opportunities this year has been connecting with the students on the grassroots. I think any moment of any day where I may wary or where I may falter in my motivation or my drive for this role... Um, I think of the opportunities I've had to network with students and learn about what it is that actually goes on in their lives and the problems that they're facing. And like you mentioned, the actual tangible impact that we're able to have, and that is way more than enough to remotivate me to ensure that we keep fighting another day and that we keep representing them to the best of our abilities. Because, yeah, it is it is interesting um, in terms of looking from the outside into the SU of being very easy to judge and say, well, what do they really do? And what tangible effects do they have and what programs do they really offer? Um, But when you learn of the actual impact that we can have and that we do have based on, honestly, the strength and passion of every single student that attends this institution, it's incredible. Um, And I think all of that kind of feeds into it and really inspiring me to continue fighting and, and working through those leadership opportunities. Absolutely. I think that's so important. It's great to hear your experience as well, Ali, because I know everyone in this job and sort of in these elected positions comes from such a different background. And that's always the part that I enjoy, especially I know on our executive team, but also mm-hmm. uh, SLC or Student Legislative Council as a whole is all of our faculty representatives come from obviously different programs and different faculties, but everyone has such different Uh, volunteer and work experiences and life experiences really coming into this position. Mm -hmm. And I know um, something that I used to see year over year, and I've seen less of in recent years, which I'm going to take as something that's encouraging, but I know students always used to say, well, you know, these elected student leaders, they don't have any real power. You know, they don't have any Mm -hmm. real impact. And I don't want to completely negate that because I think students saying that you're, you're honestly, you're not completely wrong because (laughs) we're elected to these positions, um, obviously to these executive positions within the students' union. So we have the ability to affect change within the SU. But it's harder in the context of sort of the greater university and the greater community because our job coming into these positions is to work with the university and to convince the university um, to do things or to enact policy that's going to have a positive impact on students. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the value of our positions and where sort of our role comes into play. It's not necessarily that we have the ability to draft these policies or make these decisions that are going to affect all undergraduate students ourselves, Mm -hmm. but rather we have to work with the university to do those things. So it sort of adds an additional layer of complexity because Mm -hmm. if you think about any other government or city council even, when you're elected to that position, you're the one who's able to sort of directly draft policies, make changes. But Mm -hmm. with the Students' Union, because we work with the university, 
their job to convince the university to do that. So they're kind of, they're unique roles in that sense. (laughs) Um, It definitely is not without, I think, challenges for any SU executives and any SU executive team. Mm -hmm. But um, that's what keeps it interesting. And I think that's why we we all enjoy it. So Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those, exactly as you mentioned, it's, it's, I can quite honestly confirm that there will be no opportunity or experience in life that will compare to this one. Um, because whether you end up in government, whether you end up in um, industry, in uh, academia, wherever you end up, this is a very interesting and dynamic um, environment that is perpetually changing. We operate in this fine line of being you know, the executives of this organization. So we direct uh, tangible official change within our organization but then work towards goals that are much larger than our organization in itself and work towards like, you know, provincial legislation, federal legislation. We work towards um, decisions being made in the university. So it is probably the most unique opportunity um, and one that I will perpetually be grateful for for as long as I'm alive. So, yeah, I mean, thank you to everyone who voted. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're through our general election cycle now. It's sort of wrapped up at the beginning of the month. But thank you once again yeah. to everyone who voted. I remember, I think I was last on CJSW the day actually the voting yes. was closing. So yes. um, we had really fantastic turnout this year. I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but it was a few percentage points higher than the mm-hmm. year before, which was really encouraging to see. Um, so thank you so much to everyone who ran and who voted um, because that's how we sort of keep the organization afloat and that's how we keep you know making sure that we have students in office who are advocating for uh things that matter to post-secondary students at the university of calgary so um that's really important there but uh, i know as me and ali sort of near the the end of our terms uh, this upcoming month we're looking forward to the incoming executives and seeing what they bring to the table so yeah that's going to be that's going to be very interesting i feel like um every executive comes in so excited and with such new ideas. And I think, um, I think it's going to be a great year. I feel um, like as usual, there's going to be lots of hurdles and lots of challenges, but I think that's what makes our job so exciting and so valuable is that we get to, we get to learn problem solving in a fast paced dynamic environment. I'm trying to use, avoid the word volatile, but (laughs) sometimes volatile environment. Um, Yeah. I mean, Nicole, I have a quick question for you. Go for it. If you would have to pick um, maybe one of your biggest challenges that you faced um, this year, maybe last year, and maybe kind of like, what was that challenge and how did you overcome it? Oh my goodness, that's a really good question. Um, So I think in terms of like my my job and my role and my responsibilities, one of the biggest challenges that we faced last year was getting everyone back to campus safely. Mm -hmm. And this was actually, this ended up being like a number of very minute different issues and challenges that Mm -hmm. popped up. Um, But for anyone who was a student last year, so I guess this would have been fall 2021, Mm -hmm. um, when we were trying to get everyone back to campus safely, we kept having all of these sort of, um, we call them ACMT meetings or Academic Crisis Management Task Force meetings with the university about, you know, how we could get students back to campus in a way that was safe. And at these meetings, we discussed Oh my goodness, so many different things. We discussed, you know, how to run exams safely, how to get students in lecture halls safely, vaccination requirements, masking requirements, Mm -hmm. uh, proof of vaccination requirements. We talked about, you know, um, having vaccination clinics on campus. So that was a really challenging few months. I'd say, honestly, from from August till about the end of the, the fall semester, so August to December, it was just 
constant updates. Every time the government would come out with a new announcement related to sort of pandemic restrictions, it would affect not only what the university did, but what the SU did, because Mm -hmm. obviously we own and operate uh, Mac Hall or McEwen Hall on campus. So that also affected not only students, but also our tenants in the building. So I think that was the most challenging few months of, I guess, either of my presidential terms, because it was so important that we were listening to students about what they wanted on campus, but also making sure that we were working with the university in such a way that they were actually making those changes Um, tangible and actually implementing those changes on campus because Mm -hmm. we didn't want students feeling uncomfortable or having to return to campus in an unsafe situation or an unsafe environment. I remember there were some weeks where I would post pandemic-related updates on Instagram or on Reddit, and I would get literally hundreds of DMs from students. I used to spend like literally my full weekend just responding to DMs from students because I wanted to get back to everyone because it was so important that they knew what was going on with not only their academics and their classes, but also how the pandemic restrictions affected them on campus. Which were so, so fluctuatory and like... Oh my goodness, things kept changing. Hour I, by hour. I remember, I think it was like September or October in 2021, we had like that sort of immediate shutdown where everyone yeah. went home one day and then we were, weren't were back, I think, until the following Monday. Yeah. And then obviously again in December, the last few days of exam period were cut short. Yeah. And it's crazy because that feels like an eternity ago now, but it's yeah. like, oh my goodness, that was just a little over like a year, year and a half ago. So that was very challenging because I felt like a severely underqualified public health expert by the end of all of that. (laughs) I was like, wow, can I add public health to my resume? But it was a very, it was an interesting time from sort of learning how, you know, public health mandates and public Mm -hmm. health changes impact students. And, you know, we wanted to make sure that students were safe at the end of the day. But yeah, that was definitely, I think, the most challenging few months for me in my position. So I have to say that um, no matter how challenging it is, you handled it with immense eloquence and with success too. I mean, it was a very difficult time for you and the entire SU and all the students. And I think um, you were the only person I would have wanted to lead the institution and the undergraduate population through that. So thank you for everything you did for students during that time. Um, well, thank you very much, Ali. And, you know, I'm I'm the first to recognize that it was not without, you know, hiccups and road bumps. Mm-hmm. The SU and, and me, honestly, were in a bit of a challenging situation because yeah. we had the government on one side of things telling the university what to do, with the university trying to sort of interpret these rules and these changes and make things safe for students. And then we had the SU on sort of another side trying to sort of push for what we were hearing was important to students. So yeah. um, definitely there were there were hiccups and there were road bumps. But at the end of the day, you know, we did get everyone back to, to campus safely. And yeah. I think uh, one-on-one, I know I worked with a lot of students just to, you know, help them get accommodations or make sure things that were maybe not accessible for them because they were immunocompromised were accessible for them. So exactly. that's very kind of you. But yeah. yes, I'm glad that part of my, <laughs> my presidential term is over now and hopefully yes. won't happen again. But Fingers crossed. Uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, f- I had to pick a challenge that so I what faced. Would be, what would be your challenge in your time with the SU? I guess not only as vice president operations and finance, yeah. but... I don't know. I mean, obviously through the pandemic, that was that was a big thing because we so we got elected in March of 2020. No. Yes. March yes. of 2020. Yes. And then we shut down two weeks later and then we assumed office May 1st. Um, so we were like right in the in the tip of the pandemic and 
Although that was extremely challenging, because in that year, I was also able to found the Haskin Wellness Society and the First Year Mentorship Program and work through a lot of those organizations as well. Um, so that was a very challenging time. But I want to say that my most challenging experience, I think, particularly with student leadership has been my own struggles with my mental health. Um, I think that was heavily perpetuated by the pandemic and that I wasn't really expecting. Um, I know a lot of people who are student leaders and particularly in the SU, um, even though I know this extends to the broader student population, are they put a lot of pressure on themselves to be perfect. Um, academics, leadership, extracurriculars, being friends to people, being family members, being brothers, being sisters, being moms, being dads, being uncles and aunts and fitting on all these roles and all these hats and just trying to partake in every role that they need to and do it perfectly. And I think I really struggled with that at the beginning of the pandemic. And ironically enough, being the president of the Haskin Wellness Society, I was probably at the lowest point in my life. I think that was probably the most difficult for me. I ended up developing um, an eating disorder, which was actually very difficult um, to handle. Um, and it's kind of a negative feedback cycle because the less you eat, the less you... Um, the less you can focus and the less you can focus, the less you eat. And it's just, it was a very negative cycle. I ended up having to give up the things I loved the most, which was leadership and which was my friends and my family. And I became a different person and it was a de definitely a very dark time. But um, what I will take out of that is the learning experience that I am so supported by so many people um, and that I find so much passion in giving back to the community because it was this community that stood by me and supported me through every single moment of my weakness and helped me recover and seek um, seek that help that I needed to be able to get back to where I am today. And I think that has to probably be the most challenging part of my journey. So again, through the pandemic and just kind of that recovery process. Um, but I, I think... I never regret anything that happens. I see it all as learning opportunities. And I think one of the biggest things I pulled out of that learning opportunity was that it's so okay to not be perfect. That trying your best is more than enough and it's okay to ask for help and it's okay not to be okay. Um, usually recognizing it is the hardest step, but then asking for help is usually something that not many of us are really good at doing either. So there's a lot that I pulled out of there. And I think being able to channel all of that experience into hopefully restarting the University of Calgary Wellness Society next year will be a great way for me to kind of come full circle with that. Um, I don't know if anybody out here is listening is interested in hearing me talk a little bit about that, but if you are, um, the Business Pride Club will be hosting an event, uh, the Pride in Business Conference, um, on April 28th, 29th, and 30th. So it's actually going to be the first national uh, Pride in Business Conference hosted in Canada, which is really exciting. Um, registration for out-of-province um, registrants is actually closed, but if you are a um, University of Calgary student, um, please do put your name forward because that would be really exciting. And I think it's going to be a great opportunity. Um, yeah, I guess that kind of leads us into our next mic break. Um, sounds good to me. So but thank you for sharing your experience, Ali, because I, I guess that circles back to what we were talking about before, how everyone comes into this role and comes into these positions with different life experience. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Thank you. Um, so we'll listen to two songs. <laughs> if my If my tech doesn't have... A moment again um and then we'll be back right after that so we're going to be listening to una mas by becky g and then lo que no sabes by dana paula um you are listening to 90.9 cgsw and we will see you soon mm -hmm. 
los dos sabemos que ha llegado el día pararía el tiempo en tu cama y a me conoces odio las despedidas pero antes de irte dame un beso por cada mirada por cada noche que no estarás hazme Oh, oh, oh. 
estaba contigo Y en otros brazos yo me escapaba Lo que no sabes que cuando estabas conmigo No estabas conmigo Porque mi mente se imaginaba They say video killed the radio star, but at the University of Calgary, they coexist in peaceful harmony. NUTV is the University of Calgary's campus television station and has offered hands-on film and TV production training to the university community for over 25 years. With weekly YouTube releases ranging from the exploration of B-movies and cult films and video vulture to Unzip's exploration of sex positivity, NUTV strives to capture the stories of the university community. If you'd like to become a member or want more information, visit nutv.ca or swing by the studio on the third floor of McEwen Hall at the University of Calgary. Want to stay up to date on all the latest happenings around Calgary? Why not read The Gauntlet? We cover news, sports, entertainment, culture, and even local opinions. Best part of all, it's free. Pick up a copy today or visit us on our website, thegauntlet.ca, for even more creative content. Keep it classy, dinos. Hello, and welcome back to 90.9 FM CGSW. I am your co-host, Ali Samji. And I am Nicole Schmidt. I almost forgot my name there for a moment. I am Nicole (laughs) Schmidt. I'm your students' union president. (laughs) Um, so before the break, we were touching a little bit more about, uh, touching on a little bit about ourselves and some of our biggest challenges over the, over the years of service into the SU and just a little bit more, um, I guess, personal stuff, which was interesting. We were just talking about how a lot of people in the SU and beyond know us as President Schmidt and Vice President Samji, but not as Nicole and Ali. So it's kind of nice to be able to touch a little bit more about that on a personal level. But before we get back into that, um, Nicole, do you want to tell us a little bit about quality money this year? Because I think we have some really exciting things. Absolutely. So I talked about this a little bit at the start of the show, but this is uh, our big kickoff for the SU Weekly's, I guess, series of advocacy shows. 
Um, so as we all know, the provincial election is coming up at the end of May, so May 29th. Um, so over the next few weeks, we will be having a number of candidates on from local ridings. Um, so we'll keep you all updated on that. But for today's show, we're just talking about some of the uh, advocacy issues that have impacted students at the University of Calgary, as well as some of our roles and responsibilities as Vice President Operations and Finance and also President. Uh, but one thing that I wanted to talk about today that Ali just introduced is something called quality money. And I'm sure for any University of Calgary students listening, you're probably familiar with what this is. Um, but to give everyone a little bit of background, so many post-secondary institutions across um, Canada, for students, staff, and faculty, they actually have very little say in how finances are invested in academic programs and campus life in general. So a number of years ago, your students' union, in partnership with the University of Calgary, um, created a access to created access to a source of funding called quality money. And essentially what this is, is it's a resource that allows um, our campus community to create and implement projects and initiatives identified as priorities for students. So Quality Money is a unique partnership between your students' union and the University of Calgary because each year the SU is provided with approximately, I believe it's $1.8 million this year from the University of Calgary Board of Governors to invest in projects that will enhance the overall quality of student experience on campus. So each fall semester, the students' union invites quality money proposals from students, faculty, and other members of our campus community. And the stipulation of these projects is that the project or initiative must contribute to one of the quality money funding pillars, um, which essentially means that it goes back to either a minority or underserved group on campus, or it helps uh, a larger group of students uh, with the quality of their education or student life on campus. Um, so to talk a little bit more about quality money, we're actually through the end of the quality money cycle for this year. So we received a number of project applications. I believe we had it was like 27 or 28 this year. So it was a good number overall. And then the Students' Union actually has a committee called Quality Money Committee, which I chair as Students' Union President, where we look at all of these different uh, applications and we select the ones that we want to fund. And it's really great because on this committee, we have some SU executives, but we also have a number of students who give us feedback and tell us what projects they actually want to see implemented on campus. Um, so we concluded our committee meetings back at the start of March. We decided on a number of projects to approve for this year. And as of last Friday, it went to the Board of Governors for final approval, which is very exciting. So the Board of Governors has now officially signed off on all of the quality money projects for the year, um, which is great. So in the next few weeks, we'll be able to provide sort of a more in-depth update to the campus community of the projects that were selected and sort of where this funding is going towards for this year. But I know uh, just off the top of my head, we had a number of uh, very interesting projects this year that students can look forward to. So one of the big ones I know that's going to be important for uh, our students' union elected officials is a project called, I believe it's called the SU uh, Council Chambers Tech Upgrades Project. So essentially what this means is that we'll be upgrading the space that we have our student legislative councils in and we'll be making it more tech accessible, which means that more students can either uh, zoom in or call in to our meetings as opposed to actually attending in person, which is something that we have uh, right now. But we want to make sure that our uh, democratic processes and also our SLC meetings are more accessible to the wider 
campus community. So that was one of the projects that we had approved. There was also a space renovation project for the Writing Symbols Lodge, um, which is our Indigenous Services Center on campus for students to access. We had a really great renovation proposal from them, along with a number of other really fantastic projects. Um, So stay tuned for more information and updates on which projects were selected in the next few months. (laughs) That's really exciting. Um, And congratulations. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I know uh, you and I both sat on that committee, but it was definitely, it's a big undertaking for all of yeah. our committee members because it's literally hundreds of pages of project proposals and supporting documents to read through. So it's definitely a big time commitment, but uh, we appreciate this money and we want to make sure that it goes back to areas that are important to students. So. Of course. Um, Nicole, before yes. the break. Sorry. Yes. Nicole. <laughs> yes. Before yes, the break, um, we, I talked a little bit more of one of my personal struggles rather than um, one associated with my role as vice president. Would you like to share with us maybe one of the more personal struggles you faced um, through the pandemic, through your term, maybe even before that, and maybe like what you did to overcome that and any advice you would have to pass on to the next generation of students? Absolutely. Um, And I was thinking about this sort of over the uh, break that we had, because I was thinking, well, I think there's there's honestly a number of things that I could talk about for this. But I think starting in my position with the Students' Union, I was always someone who... Honestly, I was very scared to sort of rock the boat or, you know, Mm -hmm. speak my mind or say something that... I knew people in the room would disagree with, but something that I felt strongly about. Um, I was always sort of the person, you know, whether it be in my family or in other professional or academic experiences that I've had, I was always sort of the person who would, you know, keep the peace. I didn't really want to speak up or say anything that people might disagree with um, or be, you know, controversial in any way, even if it was something that I, you know, believed in very strongly. So that was something that, I think I struggled with a lot throughout university as I would get into situations, you know, professionally where, you know, I wouldn't speak my mind. And then later on, it would be of, you know, self-detriment either down the road or detriment to a project or a team that I was working with. And so I kind of got to the point where I just I got fed up of just sort of staying quiet and just not, you know, speaking my mind. And that's something that I think took a number of years for me to actually overcome. And that's something that... You know, I was still sort of working on and I started with the Students' Union, but this job has been really great in that sense for me because it's really pushed me outside of my comfort zone and has really gotten me to speak up not only and not even necessarily in sort of my my own interests, but in the interests of students. Because Mm -hmm. when you're sitting around, you know, a board table or in a meeting room of, you know, 10 people who are all saying the same thing and have one position Mm -hmm. and you're the one student in the room who feels differently, you have to speak up. You know, you can't just sit there and sort of nod your head in, in agreement. So this job has been really great for me and has really, really pushed me and really challenged me to do that. And I knew right off the bat, actually, when I started back in May, 2021, I knew that that was something that I wanted to not even necessarily improve on, but something that right off the bat, I knew I had to push myself to do more of. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, the first, I think the first big board meeting that I had was like three weeks into office, which is crazy. Like that's very soon to when you actually start but I remember I, I spoke up and I was like a loud voice at the table and people, to my surprise, actually agreed with what I had to say because I was yeah. expecting opposition. I was expecting conflict, um, which is something that I had always you know tried to avoid. But then I realized, 
oh, like there is some power to speaking out, but there's also legitimacy to saying something openly and having people agree with you. So that was a really big turning point for me. And um, now yeah. people are like, Nicole, we don't want to hear you talk so much. So it's come 180. People are like, please, <laughs> please stop sharing your opinions. So, um, no. but yeah, I think that was, that was a good turning point for me because I was always very quiet, very introverted, but yeah. um, now I'm a lot more comfortable with sharing my opinions. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. That's an incredible journey of personal growth. And I think it's such a, beautiful experience that many students don't get the opportunity to have, which makes me sad. I wish more students got this opportunity for this experience and all of this growth and development that comes with it. But I think in general, I mean, even hearing you say that is shocking to me because coming into office when I did, like you've always been such a strong advocate and outspoken leader for students. So it's very interesting to know that, you know, you've come, you came from a place where you, where you were scared to do that and where you maybe didn't feel comfortable. So that's incredible. That's, that's a lot of growth. Thank you very much, Ali. I feel like it's not as much growth as the story that you shared earlier, because obviously mm. I can't imagine the impact that that must have had on your life. But I think just from a professional standpoint, this has been something that I've always struggled with or really wanted to work on. So that's something yeah. that I'm proud to have improved of quite a bit on. And everyone's experience and everyone's traumas and, um, experiences are completely valid in their own ways so thank you for sharing of course no worries <laughs> i guess we will have to end up wrapping this up which makes me very sad because i was thoroughly enjoying this conversation um but before i do maybe i can let nicole say some closing remarks fantastic thank you so much ali for joining me on air today and uh ali's the tech wizard behind the scenes pushing which is all the ironic and running everything <laughs> today so i'm very grateful for that um but really quickly just before we wrap up so just as a quick reminder to everyone listening so i said this at the start of the show but the students union is actually hosting a event with rachel notley on april 5th on campus um so if you're interested in attending it will be an evening with rachel notley we'll have questions about uh post-secondary related issues as well as uh, issues that are important to Albertans. So please RSVP through the Students' Union website. We've also reached out to the Premier's office um, and we're just waiting to hear back. But in the meantime, please RSVP for that event if you're interested. Next week on the show, we will have Alan Schultz of the Alberta Party for Calgary Edgemont, the Calgary Edgemont riding, as well as Kathleen Ganley, who is the uh, NDP um, candidate for Calgary Mountain View. So tune in next week for our conversations with them. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nicole. And thank you, everyone, for listening. You have been a fantastic audience, if you stayed through our rambling. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening to 90.9 FM CGSW, and we will see you next week. I want a Sunday kind of love A love to last past Saturday night and I'd like to know It's more than love at first sight And I want a Sunday